Blog Talk Radio. for the little bit of technical issue we had with the show opener just ending abruptly. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. Mike Bozich will be joining the program here momentarily. We've got a great show lined up for you as Paul Kelly will make sure to join the program. Paul Kelly and Jeffrey Bayman both will be on the program, and they're going to talk about their wins this week at Harris, Philadelphia. We're going to talk to Wendy Ross, who was the outrider for the Elite Lab in Sovala, Sweden. Wendy did a great job out there with Floyd, and she's going to talk about her experience. And Alex Dedian, I'm going to hopefully that's right, Mike Bozich, who uh, just now coming on in. The Doyen, the Alex Doyen uh, from the Standard Bread Owners of New York will be joining us as well and talk about co-mingling with France. And uh, Mike, you know, it's it's nice for you to join us. Uh, you know, you're only two minutes late. Oh, well, that's <laughs> perfectly fine. I tell you what, I was stuck in some traffic today in I-95 that made me want to pull my hair out. And I know a couple of horsemen were uh, stopped in that same traffic as well. It was roving pothole repairs, Mike, something obviously that had to be done during the day during peak traffic hours. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, we got a great show uh, coming up. And we've also got Bet America handicapping champion Stanley Coper, who's going to join us. Mike, we got a uh, fun filled show. But first, let's talk about your speechless moment at Harris, Philadelphia uh, this past weekend. I'm still speechless. It was a tremendous moment. Wiggle it, jiggle it, putting on a clinic one-fifth of a second off the, the uh, world record. Easily shattered the track record in the Dorothy Mullen Invitational this past Sunday. It was a it was a tremendous event, Mike. It was a real pleasure to call that race. And I'll tell you, I almost lost it a couple of times, and really not during the race itself, but looking and seeing all the fans, it was an unbelievable moment. I mean, myself, the judges, uh, the man to my right in the time and pictures there, Ralph Vickers, we were sitting there and we were watching all the people just coming from the grandstand, going towards the winner's circle. And I don't know how you could have uh, – uh, how you could fit another flyer gnat in that winner's circle. That's how packed and crowded it was. But to see all that racing fans uh, and to see the 
the humbleness of George Teague. I mean, this is really a, a people's champion, Mike. This horse has really got a strong following, uh, strong backing. It's good, to, it's good for the sport. It's good to see harness racing fans latch on to something and have something to root for. And really, and I know this could be clichéic, but every time this horse hits the racetrack, Mike, something special is going to happen. I mean, win or lose, you're going to get just a, an outstanding race. And um, it was a great race, Mike. I mean, he was sitting pocketed about the half, and I knew that when he pulled right on the midpoint of the backstretch, he pulled. He could have waited. I mean, he could have probably waited to a little bit past three-quarters top of the stretch. But Montrell said, let's pick it up, abandon the pocket. Him and Rocket Ron had a really, really good battle. Wiggle it, jiggle it, warm down in that track record time. It was an unbelievable event, really an unbelievable day, and it was a great card. Yeah, definitely. You guys had a very strong card. Well, Mike, we got a lot of uh, graduate action coming up at Mohawk this weekend. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. But, Mike, uh, we're going to make an announcement, not on the show tonight, but on Monday, uh, we've got our broadcast team complete for the 2016 Breeders' Crown. That's right. It's the missing link. And somebody on Facebook, I can't remember who, but somebody said, well, you need a third mic. And I will, should I at least tip it to this point, that the third member of our broadcast team is not named Mike. I didn't <laughs> yeah. give it away, did I? No, not at all. Uh, I tell yeah. you, ZRF Harness actually reached out to us on, That's right. uh, when That's we right. first made the announcement. And they, they said, can we have three or four more mics? I, you know, I used the hashtag Mike and Mike and Mike and Mike and Mike. And, uh, but we're very excited about the 2016 Breeders' Crown. Advertising opportunities are available. Make sure to reach out to us for more information at our website at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. We've got some great advertising packages right now. And we've also got some great ones coming up for the Breeders' Crown, Mike Bozich. That's right, and we may even have a couple of specials that can get you in on the ground floor of the Breeders' Crown at a very, very reasonable price. So make sure you check out our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, and certainly follow us on our uh, social media pages. Follow us on Facebook. and No, no, actually follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. That's it. And, uh, you know, listen, and also stay tuned for contests. I mean, we have a lot of stuff that we're going to be giving away, some Post Time with Mike and Mike hats, courtesy of our good friends at Embroidery Unlimited. We've got lots of those. We've got uh, great T-shirts with Post Time with Mike and Mike on the front and uh, wiggle it jiggle it right on the back the 2015 harness horse of the year so we'll be giving away some of those and also our good friends at new vocations winnie nemeth uh, give us some great little brown jug stuff uh, visors hats shirts you name it so we're going to be uh, giving away those as well lots of giveaways coming up in the near future so you're going to want to stay tuned to post time with mike and mike.com here presented by bet america yeah, definitely. And Mike, the uh, other thing too, we've got a couple of uh, live remotes planned uh, where we've got one in the works uh, with Yonkers for the international trot. Of course, we're going to the Breeders' Crown, but Mike, we're, uh, we're talking about maybe going to Hoosier Park next month. So uh, stay tuned for that as uh, who knows uh, <laughs> where post time with Mike and Mike will pop up. Well, on the back side of this be. commercial, we're going to have, <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say it could be. It's the Traveling Roadshow. You never know where we're going to be. The Hoosier Park thing, uh, actually, one of us probably will be going to that because, uh, you know, the other has some uh, responsibilities here in the Philadelphia area. But uh, uh, just stay tuned because you never know where we might pop up. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, on the back side of this commercial, we're going to talk to Paul Kelly, who had a great performance at Harris, Philadelphia this past weekend. That's coming up on the back side of this commercial. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. 
It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. We've got a tremendous and a busy show on tap for you here today. Uh, trainer of Maxi Lee winner, Abrogato, Paul Kelly, will be joining us here in just a few moments. We're going to talk about his fantastic trotter. And, Mike, he's got a great story. This is a horse that uh, came from Maine and was battling kind of on the circuit up there. And uh, it was a purchase uh, by Paul Kelly, and he just turned out to be fantastic. I mean, really never expected the likes of Abrogado, uh from that point, uh, you know, kind of, you know, cutting his teeth in Maine to really battle some of the best trotters and uh, have a lot of success at it. So Paul Kelly is going to be joining us. Jeff Bayman, the uh, trainer of Venus Delight. He's got a tremendous stable, uh, Mike, uh, especially in the Philly and Mare ranks. We're going to talk to Jeff Bayman about Venus Delight. She won the Betsy Ross uh, here uh, just last Sunday. And uh, Wendy Ross will be joining us. Uh, and what a what an outstanding uh, job by Wendy Ross going out to Sweden in Sovala for the elite lop. And uh, she was able to be the outrider there. And uh, it was a fantastic, fantastic uh, thing for uh, Wendy Ross. Plus we have Alex Adoyne going to talk about co-mingling and Stanley Coper, uh, a multiple handicap tourney winner will be joining us uh, as well. But uh, Mike, uh, I think the, uh, the breaking news wire is ringing. So why don't you uh, go ahead and uh, make it That's right. We got some breaking news on post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Uh, Woodbine Entertainment Group has announced that the race day amendment has been approved uh, on Thursday, June 2nd. This is being reported by Standard Bread Canada, Mike Bozich, that the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario announced it has approved the application made by Woodbine Entertainment Group to the 2016 race date schedules for uh, Mohawk and Woodbine. And it looks like they're going to be adding a uh, bunch of days to Mohawk and uh, taking a bunch of way- days away from uh, Woodbine and just transferring them over. Well, very interesting there. I know Mohawk's kind of the uh, summer destination for a lot of these horses. And, uh, you know, great facility uh, from what I've heard. Never had a chance to uh, have been there. I've been to Woodbine. And, uh, you know, both really, really nice facilities. So whichever is best, uh, however way they want to do it, uh, you know, do uh, keep that circuit intact uh, to, you know, keep the quality racing coming, I'm uh, certainly all for. But we, th- we certainly appreciate that piece of breaking news, Mike Carter. Right now, we've got the uh, trainer of Abrogato, Paul Kelly, joining us live on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by uh, Bet America. Paul, how goes it? I'm um, going well, guys. How are you guys doing? 
Doing fantastic. Well, give us your thoughts on the big win in the uh, the Maxi Lee for two hundred thousand dollars. Well, uh, I guess uh, I guess the good good thing started uh, a little earlier in the week when the draw came out, and um, you know we realized we got the rail. That's uh, that's a big uh, a big post change for for my horse. Uh, my horse is used to a lot of outside posts. Uh, sometimes. Uh, He's been handicapped out there. Other times, he's just drawn poorly. So, having the rail was uh, was certainly a, a big advantage, you know, going into a field uh, or against a field like that. And then, obviously, with uh, the scratch of uh, Nifty's uh, great mare, uh, being a magician, um, you know, that just uh, lightened lightened things up a little bit. But it was still uh, still a, a, re- a really deep field and. Uh, you know, we were excited to uh, to come out of there with the win, for sure. Yeah, now this is a horse, Paul, that has a really, really good backstory coming all the way from Maine. And I know our race secretary, Joe Osier, who is from that area, was so happy right. to have a horse representing that particular area. Paul, take us uh, take us through the backstory of uh, Abrogato a little bit and take us through his journey. Well, you know, um, actually, uh, it's uh, a little bit of luck for sure on, on my behalf, but uh, uh, I actually, you know, I started in harness racing uh, in the state of Maine. Um, it's been a long time uh, since I actually raced there myself. I think I left Maine in about 1981. But, um, you know, I've, I've maintained, my parents still live up there. My sister has a breeding farm up there. Uh, I still maintain uh, a lot of roots and a lot of friendships up there. Uh, I was fortunate enough uh, over the last few years to have a, a real good relationship with uh, Mikey Andrew. Uh, Mikey Andrew is the breeder of Obrigado. Um, and each year, Mike, you know, Mike, uh, he stands uh, the Stallion Boy Band. That was his horse. Uh, he was unraced, but... Um, He's a pretty good, uh, pretty good pedigree horse. Uh, uh, he was by Lindy Lane, I believe, and had a, had, a, had a good family himself. I think he got injured, and um, he never raced. But uh, Mike decided to stand him stud, and uh, really over the last probably 10, 11, 12 years, Mike's kind of dominated the main fire stakes program up there with that horse. Uh, that being said, at the end of each uh, three-year-old year, Mike, pretty much sells uh, sells what he's got. He sells them off. And normally he just sells, runs them through the Harrisburg sale. I had bought a horse off Mike probably six or seven years ago, a horse called Up Tempo, who was um, the main state champ at two and three. Uh, he went through the Harrisburg sale. Mike told me, you know, everything about the horse. The horse was, you know, just a good sound horse and could try a half-mile track. We bought that horse, I think, for 44000 and uh, raced him pretty much at Saratoga as a four-year-old, brought him down to Yonkers a little bit. But long story short, he made about, I think, 110 or 115000 as a four-year-old, uh, and he was also a boy band. So, you know, a few years later, uh, we're going back to, I think, now the fall of 2014, Obrigado uh, was in the sale. Uh, I knew who the horse was because uh, I do follow the races up there. I'm really familiar with all the uh, the main tracks, the fair tracks. You know, I can kind of I can kind of compute those times in my head when horses are trotting two two or two one up there. I kind of know got an idea of what that might mean uh, when they come down this way. Anyway, that that horse. Uh, 
He he was in the sale. Mike Mike told me that uh, you know that he's been a real good horse for them, real real sound horse and whatnot. And the 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 honest and honest truth was that I I really bought the horse at that time uh, with the idea uh, that he might make a a good open horse for Saratoga, and then maybe you know something that I could bring down to Yonkers uh, at the right time and uh, and and compete down there, but. Uh, he, he obviously turned out to be a whole lot more than that. Now, Paulie looked really good in the Mac LaBelle Elite Lot playoff. He didn't get the best trip, but he still came home pretty strongly. What makes Obregado so good and so powerful? You know, that, that horse, uh, he, he's, first off, he's just, he's a really good horse. Uh, he's a very good gated horse. He, he just gets over the ground really good. But uh, he's a very uh, competitive horse. He's got a will to win. He loves to to, to chase horses down. Uh, I I always uh, I've always told Mark or, or anybody else that's that's driven the horse, don't ever be afraid to come first over with him because he just loves to live on the outside and he'll just keep coming and coming. He's not the fastest horse off the gate. If he if he gets out of there on the right foot, I mean he can trot 27 and a piece to get to the front. Uh, if he gets out of there on the on the right on the right foot, but he's just one of those horses that kind of has to get to his speed or get to the right gear, you know, in his own in his own time and in his own way. Once once he does that, um, he's just going to keep coming and coming. Visiting live with Paul Kelly, the trainer of uh, one of the uh, better. Uh, certainly uh, older trotters going in the sport today, and that's Abregato coming off of that big victory in the Maxi Lee at Harris, Philadelphia on Sunday. Paul, like you mentioned, you purchased this horse thinking, well, maybe you got a pretty good open horse that can compete at Saratoga, the open ranks there. At what point did you realize that you had something better than that? Um, I, I think, you know, well, we, 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 we started him off at Saratoga. He had a lot of money on his card. So if I, had t- if I wanted to take him anywhere, uh, due to all the wins and the money he'd made in Maine, he'd have been in the open right off the bat early in his four-year-old year, uh, you know, at Yonkers, the Meadowlands, Pocono, it wouldn't have mattered. He'd been in the open. Uh, fortunately at Saratoga, you know, he'd have to start the open there, but, uh, the competition is a little bit softer than the, the, the tracks that I just mentioned. So, and it's my home track. So it made sense to kind of start him there and, and, uh, and see what he could do. Uh, he quickly kind of established himself as, uh, the best of the open, uh, trotters at Saratoga, uh, that summer, uh, 2015 and, uh, excuse me, 2014. And, um, he, uh, he kind of won his way out of there, and they asked me if I if I could take him somewhere else. I did. I took him over to uh, Tioga, and he set a track record at Tioga. I think it was for maybe for four-year-old geldings. Uh, he trotted 52 and a piece over there. Um, at that point, and that was the first time he'd ever been off a half-mile track in his life. And at that point, I, I kind of thought, well, you know what? I think we got something here that's a little bit better than what we were uh, what we were hoping for. So. Uh, we took him to Yonkers, and I think I raced him six times at Yonkers at, in the fall of his uh, four-year-old year, and I believe he won four Opens at Yonkers. So, uh, you know, he, I, I, I knew at the end of his at the, at the end of his four-year-old year that you know, and he finished fourth in the international preview trot. I knew at that point that, you know, we had a pretty serious horse here. So, prepping uh, the five-year-old year. Uh, 
you know, based on, on how he ended up his four-year-old year and uh, thinking more in terms of grand circuit and, you know, hopefully, you know, grabbing uh, a little bigger prize with him. So, it's worked out, so far it's worked out pretty good. Paul, what can we expect uh, going ahead here in 2016 for Obergato? Well, um, he's, uh, his next race is going to be out at Scioto for the Charlie Hill uh, Memorial. Uh, that's a week from tomorrow. Uh, I think that's Friday. That's June 10th. After that, he comes back and he's got the Cutler at the Meadowlands. Then he goes back to Ohio for um, the, uh, the Cleveland Classic at Northfield. Uh, I think after that, um, I think he's got a little gap after that. Uh, he comes, uh, then he's got a little bit of a gap, and he's got the Cashman uh, at the Meadowlands and the Crawford uh, Crawford Farms trot up at uh, uh, Vernon and then probably, hopefully, the Maple Leaf. And, you know, and hopefully, uh, what I'm, I'm really hoping that we get invited to the International Yonkers because it's a, obviously it's a very prestigious race, and um, he's he's very, very good, uh, you know, over half, and he seems to really like Yonkers. So we're hoping that... Uh, Maybe this year we get a get take a shot at that. Fantastic, Paul Kelly, the trainer of Abergato. Paul, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Best of luck to you and Abergato uh, going forward in 2016. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right, no problem. That was Paul Kelly, trainer of Abergato, and uh, Mike Carter. It looks like uh, looks like Abergato might be coming your way. The Cleveland Classic, uh, along with some other great races, the International Trot. Maybe we'll have a chance to see him when we're going to be there at Yonkers. And uh, sounds like Paul's got his roadmap uh, pretty uh, etched in stone. I would think. Yeah, definitely. You should have seen the smile come to my face when he said that because, uh, you know, it, it's just going to be so much fun to uh, throw our entire stake season at Northfield. So uh, to see Obergato this year, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, don't go anywhere. Trainer Jeff Bayman will be joining us on the backside of this break. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stakes horse, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m., any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519 419- 
519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's the stable.ca. We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Plenty left to go on this program. Wendy Ross, outstanding outrider. She was at Sobala, Sweden, and she's going to talk to us about her experiences at the Elite Lab. Plus, Alex Dedoyan, the executive director of the Standard Bread Owners Association of New York, will be joining us. We're going to talk co-mingling of pools, which it does certainly be very good for gamblers. Stanley Coper, handicapper, tourney winner. Not only has he won one, but four tournaments, and he's going to be joining us uh, right at the top of the hour, about 8 o'clock Eastern. But right now, we're joined by trainer extraordinaire, Jeff Bayman. Jeff, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Right. Doing fantastic. Well, you get a nice Betsy Ross win with uh, the very classy Venus Delight, who was able to weave through traffic and find room late to uh, sweep on by. Give us your thoughts on the Betsy Ross and uh, her performance. It worked out good. It was definitely a, a good way to get a first win of the year. Uh, trip worked out pretty good. I mean, I, coming around the last turn there, I didn't think she was going to be able to get out. I thought we were just going to maybe come up the inside, and Timmy made a great move, slid out, and you know worked out, and she just exploded down the stretch. Now, Jeff, she sort of had a slow start to 2016. Were you getting a little bit concerned, or is this just kind of how she does it? She just kind of does things on her own. Uh, I wasn't really concerned. It's kind of just the way she is. She she's very lazy. She's she's not going to do any more than than she has to. I mean, training you could pretty much hop off the you know off the cart and run next to her. She's not going to go if you're not following someone. She's not going to go. So I wasn't really concerned. I knew. When the time was right, she she eventually would step up. Luckily, it happened in a, in, a, in a big race. You know, Jeff, she's been such a force on the mare scene now for the last uh, couple of years. Certainly, been right at the uh, top, battling with the uh, you know the great mares out there. She is one of the great mares, certainly. Give us a little bit of her uh, backstory in uh, in her younger days. I actually we bought her when she was her end of her four year old season. I had seen her; she was racing at Yonkers. I, I just liked the way she went. She was always finishing up. Every week I talked to Jason Bartlett, who was driving her, and, you know, he said the same thing. She always tries, you know, at the end of the mile. And, you know, I made a, an offer that was, they were, she was a pet for them, and they did a great job with her. And you know, luckily she, she just picked up a little bit more for us. Now, Jeff, what's next for Venus Delight? Uh, she's obviously uh, she started off in the at the blue chip matchmaker and then went to Harris Philadelphia. What's her schedule look like for 2016? Her next start is going to be a week from Saturday in the Roses are Red elimination. Uh, hopefully, that works out better than last year. She got disqualified for interference down the stretch. She actually won the elim and then got disqualified with place last. So hopefully, that works out better this year. And then she'll go, I think it's the Meadowlands, has a couple of stakes races, then they go back to Canada. There's not that many mare races, so you got to make your money when you got them because I think there's only maybe five or six. Jeff, let's talk about uh, some of your other horses. You've got a pretty uh, pretty darn good stable, very competitive over at Yonkers and Aris Philadelphia in the Pennsylvania area. Talk about some of your other horses. Uh, I mean, Andrevette obviously, is. she kind of speaks for herself and really not much to say about her. She, she, you know, she's, she's made, what, I think 3.2 million. She's going to be going up to Canada too. I think the bigger track, they'll pick her up a little bit. Hopefully. I mean, she's, 
she was always great on a half. I think the older she's gotten, I think that the half bothered her a little bit more. Now I think be able to stretch her legs out on the, the seven eighths. I think I'll definitely, definitely do her good. Uh, Makitso is a, you know, a real good horse. He made, I think 650,000 last year. He's going to be going to the Ben Franklin at Pocono in a couple of weeks. Uh, Crispy Apple's a good Yonkers open horse. She's maybe one notch below the, the grand circuit horses. I mean, we've got a, got a decent amount of decent horses. Yeah, no question about it. What's uh, what's ahead for uh, Jeff Bateman in uh, 2016? Uh, hopefully what was behind in 2015. I would, if I could sign up for the same season, I would, I would take it. I'm not greedy. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Jeff, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program, my friend. Best of luck here in 2016. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, that was uh, Jeff Bayman, trainer of Venus Delight. Really uh, just a fantastic stable uh, that Jeff Bayman certainly has. We've got more left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be talking to Wendy Ross, the outrider uh, extraordinaire, uh, outrider at the uh, Meadowlands, and uh, she was at Tioga. And also, she, of course, the big news is she's just back from Sweden, where uh, she was the uh, outrider for the big races out there in the Elite Lomp. We're going to talk to her about those experiences. Plus, we're going to talk to Alex Dedoyan, the executive director of the uh, Standard Bread Owners Association of New York. We're talking co-mingling, and we're going to talk to handicapper extraordinaire Stanley Coper at uh, the top of the hour. Mike, uh, Jeff Bayman talked about Venus Delight and uh, a little bit of her roadmap, and he's got a great stable. Like we said, Andrew Vett, we certainly heard of her, right? And, uh, of course, Mockinso, who I thought was going to race a little bit better in the Dorothy Mall and raced really well the week before at Harris, Philadelphia. I think finished fifth in the Dorothy Mullen, but I guess the horse didn't race too bad considering the race almost was a world record. Yeah, no, con- considering the race was almost a world record, you got to give uh, that horse a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a nod. Well, Mike, we've got the Maryland Minute on deck, then Wendy Ross will be right back on Post Time with Mike and Mike. This is your Maryland Minute. The Maryland Minute is brought to you by Friends of Maryland Stand-Up Breads. Join us for a paint night fundraiser party at Waterman Seafood Company in Ocean City, Maryland, Monday, June 13th at 5 p.m. Register now at paintnight.com slash events. That's paintnightnite.com slash events. Or call Carrie at area code 410-202-6231. That's 410-202-6231. Paint Night will donate a portion of ticket sales to the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Visit them online at www.hhyf.org to get more information. Once again, join us for a Paint Night fundraiser party at Waterman's Seafood Company in Ocean City, Maryland, Monday, June 13th at 5 p.m. Register now. Call Carrie at 410-202-6231, 410-202-6231. And afterwards, follow us over to Ocean Downs for a night of exciting live harness racing. And we'll have a little bit of a back-to-back Maryland Minute because we're going to invite everybody to join the Maryland Horse Council for the fourth annual Maryland Horse Council's Day at the Races. It's coming up on Sunday, June 5th, 11.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. at Pimlico Racetrack in Baltimore. There's going to be some outstanding guests, Dr. Charlie Judge, a retired medical doctor who is now a handicapping sheets track judge, has an enthusiastic love of racing and has a knack for figuring out the potential of each of the racehorses. So he'll be on hand. So we'll vet 
veterinarian, Dr. Brian Delp, whose uncle trained spectacular bid. Dr. Delp works closely on the Laurel Backstretch with veterinarian groups Stewart, Valence, and Yergi, so check them out. Also, jockey agent Jay Burtis. Jay is currently an agent for Forest Boys and apprentice Laura Glazer. And Sal Sinatra, who we had on this show uh, last uh, week, is a part of the Stronic management team for the Maryland Jockey Club. Sal will give us an inside look into the everyday running of a racetrack and the future plans for Maryland racing. Tickets include a program, a mimosa brunch, tours of the training barn, tours of the paddock and winter circle, handicapping 101, and much, much more. Ticket prices are $60 per person for MHC members, $75 per person for non-MHC members, children, 12 and under, 30 for members, 37.50 for non-members, and uh, that's uh, MHC, the Maryland Horse Council, Day at the Races, and uh, certainly give them a look. Go ahead and Google them uh, for more information uh, on those tickets, and uh, follow us on social media as well, because we'll go ahead and post that link on social media. It's the Maryland Horse Council Day at the Races, coming up Sunday, June 5th, 11.30 to 4 at Pimlico. Mike, have you ever been to Pimlico? No, I haven't. I've been to Laurel a couple of times, but never to Pimlico. Okay, well, we were going to go to Pimlico a couple of days back, and uh, we decided uh, not to. But nonetheless, uh, we certainly have been to Laurel a few times, and that's why, Mike, I guess we're so excited about the uh, prospects of the uh, Maryland Jockey Club taking over Rosecroft is because they've done an outstanding job with Laurel, and uh, they renovated that from the ground up. There's flat screens all over the place. There's brand-new food selections, concession stands, so forth. If you haven't been to Laurel in the last year or so, make sure you go check it out because the renovations, Mike, are outstanding. It's a beautiful facility. Yeah, definitely, Mike. And uh, speaking of Rosecroft, I'm going to be there on Sunday, so uh, so it, uh, I'll be able to check out uh, Rosecroft, and uh, it's uh, it's definitely going to be an exciting weekend of racing out there. Well, coming up now is Wendy Ross, and Wendy is, uh, and I'm going to make my head a little bit big here. Wendy's one of my favorite outriders in the country, but she got to do something I'm really jealous of, and that is go across to Sweden. Wendy, how's it going? Hey, guys, how are you? Uh, good to be with you again. Uh, always a pleasure. Now, Wendy, talk to us about the uh, – let, let's start at the very beginning. Uh, Floyd got to ride with some amazing champion horses over to Sweden. Talk to us a little bit about how he handled the ride over. You know, he handled the, the flight really well. Uh, a few people were concerned. I, I really wasn't myself just because I know him so well. And we've been uh, – I've had him, you know, pretty much ready to go. I've been using him at the Meadows since about mid-March into April. And, uh, you know, I knew he had been fit and was ready to go. And actually, we had his retirement planned at Tioga uh, to be the second week of May. So, um, and then fortunately, I got a, actually got a message from Sam McKee on like two Saturdays, uh, like a week before the retirement. He said, uh, the guys were over from Sweden and they were talking about having an outrider over there. And I was like, wait, what? And it was just such a shock. And, you know, one of those things, uh, didn't know if it was going to happen. And they had to get it cleared by the, Swedish Racing Commission, so it, they did because uh, they don't have outriders over there. So I was the first um, ever, um, and to be the first American over there was really cool. But uh, so then he flew over there in a 747 Boeing, uh, which was only the the second biggest plane, second biggest plane to land in Sweden ever. So when they landed last Monday night um, at the airport, there was probably you can't believe 4,000 people there. 
uh, to watch the, the plane land, and he did. He rode over with Resolve and Pinkman, uh, Opulent Yankee, uh, and I think one other, uh, Lindy's on Fire, I think, was the other one uh, that they rode over together. Now, at Sovala, Wendy, talk a little bit about the feelings uh, that you had personally when you first entered that racetrack. Well, you know, it's such it's just a typical 5-H. You know, you think going over there, oh, we've worked him a million times. We've been everywhere. We've done everything. But as soon as you look at the, at the track, I mean, it just the turns are so banked there. I mean, they're, you're talking they got 20 feet deep turns, which is so different. You know, and Savalas, they just race trotters over there. They don't race pacers, so, uh, which is kind of a good thing. And uh, they have PVC pipe pylons, not like the foam pylons that we have here in the U.S. So, and they can't go inside them. So whenever they make a break, you know, they got to just, the guy's got to kind of clear out and get around them. So it's so different uh, than it is over here. And you would think they would need an outrider because the racing seems to, to be a bit more dangerous. But Savala, as soon as you, um, as soon as you go there and you look at the plays, it even intimidated me a little. And I usually, that usually doesn't happen too much anymore. Now, Wendy, let's talk about the day of the race. There's thousands upon thousands of people, the cheering, the screaming, uh, that, that's enough to scare any horse, let alone uh, any person and make them a little bit nervous. How did Floyd handle it? And what was the feeling like on Elite Lap Day? Well, first of all, you know, Floyd's a star. He's definitely one in a million. Not, I don't, you know, not too many horses can do it. And that's what makes him so special. And, you know, with him being retired, officially retired now, um, you know, we're definitely going to miss him. But, yeah, for him to fly over, work a new track. I worked him a little Thursday, and I worked the card Friday, and then Saturday, Sunday, obviously. Uh, but for him to go there, I mean, he worked it like he'd been there a million times. And uh, on Saturday, I think they had, uh, you know, I think they I think they had like 62,000 total. So I think they had a little uh, less than 30 on Saturday, and they had 30-plus, I think, on Sunday for the big race. But, um to parade in front of 30,000 people uh, like that. It, there's not too many feelings that I can think of that compare to that, but uh, it, it certainly was something, uh, a feeling that you, you just never know until you're doing it. 30,000 people, and they're clapping and cheering. Harness racing is pretty much like football over there, and the drivers and trainers are almost comparable, I think, to like NFL football players. I mean, they're that big of stars over there. Visiting live with Wendy Ross uh, was the outrider at uh, Sabala, Sweden, for the Elite Lop. Um, Wendy, what do you think is different over there as far as uh, maybe not only the racing itself, but how they present the product to the racing fans? You know, it's just a different, um, a different culture over there. It's, you almost have to think harness racing is like it used to be here 30 years ago. That's the difference. It's just still alive over there. And, and honestly, you know, it's struggling a little bit over there as well. And that's why um, they did, they got this plane and they put this together because they were trying to, to get a little bit more attention from the people over there. And, and I think it worked out. They were very pleased um, from the more attention it drew, getting the U.S. horses to come over there. Uh, but, you know, harness racing in general, like I said, it's a, it's a real big sport over there. I mean, it's it's cherished. Um, there's so many guys. And like I said, the drivers and trainers, people just, they're, they're stars. Like, you, you can't believe it um, that it's that big over there. And it was so cool to be a part of it. And it's just one of those types of things you got to see it to believe it. But once you do, uh, there's nothing, there's no race in the U.S. that compares to the Elite Lop, for sure. No doubt. Well, Wendy, I hope to get over there one of these days because I, I, I gotta say it, it's always been like a dream of mine to go to like the Dubai world cup and races like that. But to see the amount of people that come out and support harness racing at the elite lap is, 
is just amazing. Well, Wendy, uh, let's talk a little bit about, uh, we talked about your trip and real quick, let's touch on your, uh, on the stable here at home. How are the horses here? Uh, you know, they were, we're having a good run this year so far. It's been a little bit cold throughout May, but you know, it comes and goes, you know how it goes. Um, but yeah, we've been pleased overall. The horses have been good. Um, I, I've been fortunate enough to get one of my favorite horses back that won a lot of races for me. I went and claimed him out of Poconos about a month and a half ago, and he, he did have a win at the Meadows since he came back. But So I have a couple pets in the barn, but, you know, they do okay. Chris seems, you know, we argue about it at times, but he deals with it and, you know, overclassifies them probably just a touch. But, you know, how it goes. you you, you got to deal with it. But, uh, yeah, they've been good so far. You know, I have my job still still doing well so everything you know just been busy but uh so nice that it's finally warm out that's for sure but it was cold in Savalia and they were all laughing at me because I had to go over there and uh you know that time of year but it was really cool because I got to go I got to spend time with Stefan Melander who trains Nuncio who was actually you know won the race obviously um so I got to go to a couple farms uh, Stigas Johansson who's like the second leading trainer in Sweden that's where the horses were so I got to meet him so it's just cool to go over there and meet those guys and, and spend time with them. And, you know, there's just some nice horses to be around. We got to spend time with French Laundry, Uncle Lasse, uh, and some other of the fellow U.S. horses that are over there now. No question about it. Wendy Ross, Outrider Extraordinaire. Listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Actually, that was my last question, but you kind of answered it. What is it over there? Is it winter? Is it fall? What's the season over there? You know, it's it's summer. It's like they, you know, their seasons are on the same season of ours. But you don't realize I don't how north uh, Sweden is like compared to the to the U.S. Like on the world, like going around. We I didn't realize it till they showed us like when we were flying um, on the map. But yeah, it was it was a little chilly. But when I left, of course, it was like 80 that day. But um, that was just glad that they had sunshine for the elite lop, and you know they had the crowd uh they came out for it so it ended up being a good day and they're already talking uh, you know i was just kind of getting out of getting on the plane and goodness the guys are already talking about next year so who knows we, <laughs> we could be doing it again in 2017 for sure sounds good all right wendy we certainly appreciate you joining us and the best of luck to you and floyd in 2016 and beyond all right that was wendy ross uh a tremendous outrider, and of course she had a chance to go over to Sweden and uh, enjoy that beautiful race in the proceedings with Pinkman and that great undercard that they had. And uh, you know, listen, it's it's like she said. I mean, it's got to be an honor. It's uh, certainly one of the most prestigious harness races in the world, and to do that, Mike, and to be a part of it like she was, had to be a great honor. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Mike, we've talked a little bit about maybe uh, you know planning something for the elite lap next year, or the year after. So. Uh, Stay tuned. A lot of uh, a lot of big things coming up with post time with Mike and Mike. No question about it. We've got plenty more left on this program. The executive director of the Standard Bread Owners Association of New York, Alex DeDoyne, will be joining us. We're going to once again have a little bit of an international flair with Alex Mike. We're going to talk a little bit about commingling of pools, something that I know that they've worked on, and it's kind of like a labor of love form, so uh, it's good to see it finally come to fruition. We'll talk to Alex about that, plus handicapper extraordinaire Stanley Cooper will join us at the top of the hour. Plus, we'll be taking a look at the big races from Mohawk. That's where the action is. Uh, coming up uh, this weekend, you've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. 
For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca. Back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. Mike, I didn't realize we had that as a bumper. Some good old Chicago. We should have added about ten seconds out of that bumper, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we should. Well, you you made them. You should you should know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, that's that's uh, Chicago's a little bit before your time. Actually, a little bit before my time too. But uh, certainly some good music there. All right, right now we've got the executive director of the uh, Standard Bread Owners Association of New York, Alex Dedoyan, joining us on the program. Alex, you a big Chicago guy? Um, no, not really. That might be slightly before my time too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good, no, good old no music fans. there. Oh, that's all right, buddy. That's that's all right. Listen, uh, co-mingling of pools, and I know this has been a labor of love for you guys. You guys have put a lot of hours in on trying to get this done. Let's take it back to the beginning. Let's tell us tell our listeners where the idea first originated to uh, start doing this. Um, well, I think a lot of the credit is you know before I even got into racing. You know, obviously, I worked. I, I started at the Meadowlands a long time ago and when i was there uh the hamiltonian society in the meadowlands had already begun um they knew that the international markets were something to um to look into for growth you know for harness racing and so they had begun to send the hamiltonian to european markets for wagering you know and it was you know it was really from that you know that the long-term end game goal was hey one day we could send races from america into europe and have them betting you know, into these giant pools that, you know, everyone is betting on, you know, for harness racing. Um, but, you know, it's a, it's a step, a process of steps, a lot of steps in, uh, to get to that point. And so um, that, you know, that probably spans over probably 10, 15 year process, you know, and, you know, a lot of the early credit goes to the Hamiltonian society for, for uh, promoting the Hambo overseas and, and, and making those inroads. And then, um, you know, some opportunities opened up uh, for more races and, and uh, you know, more, uh, more content going over there. And then, um, you know, Yonkers was able to, to fill, uh, fill that gap and, and send some more uh, trotting cards over. And eventually we were able to work out a deal where we began uh, commingling uh, uh, last, about two weeks ago. 
Now, to some of our listeners uh, that may be brand, brand new to this uh, whole idea of commingling, um, what is exactly, when we talk about commingling of pools, what exactly are we saying? Sure. I mean, in the most basic sense, you know, uh, normally the way it's always worked in the past when, when races are, are simulcast to an overseas market, um, the overseas market forms their own pool and bets on the races separately. And then the American pool is its own pool. So you would have different odds and different payoffs and basically two smaller pools instead of one giant combined big pool. Um, so when you commingle the pools, you know, obviously you're combining all both the, the local pool, meaning here in America, and the foreign pool, uh, in this case France, uh, and the other countries that they connect with. Uh, and so you create, um, you know, a much larger pool that has, you know, the same odds for everybody. Now, Alex, what kind of feedback have you guys gotten from France so far? Is the uh, reception of this, as far as the betting public, uh, gone over well as well? Um, sure. I mean, the we started uh, the first Yonkers uh, trotting card was sent over there at the end of 2014, in the fall of 2014. Um, and just to be clear, it's not every card that gets sent over. You know, there's a six-hour time difference into Europe, so Yonkers, which normally races at night, uh, that wouldn't work, you know, on a simulcasting uh, uh, relationship because, you know, an 8 o'clock uh, race at Yonkers, 8 o'clock at night is going to be 2 in the morning uh, in France. So that's why um, some of the race cards uh, were moved to afternoon uh, post times in New York uh, to make it viable uh, in the European market. So, you know, a 12 or 1 o'clock uh, afternoon time uh, is evening over there, and that, that works. So uh, those first cards began at the end of 2014, um, with a bunch of Sundays in the fall, and they were great, very well received. Um, and then so for 2015, we had more of a, a, a full calendar. Um, when I say full, basically like every other week. Um, but there were a lot of Tuesdays mixed in, too, to kind of fill out the calendar. And, of course, Tuesdays, you know, just like in America, I mean, they're not going to be as strong as a Sunday afternoon. You know, we send a bunch of cards in on a Tuesday night. So there's obviously not as many people out, not as many betting shops. Uh, but the numbers have been fine, consistent. And, uh, you know, we have a bunch of Sundays uh, uh, basically in the, in the winter and uh, late in the year, and those are when, uh, when the majority of the, of the wagering gets done. Visiting with Alex DeDoyne, the executive director of the Standard Bread Owners Association of New York, talking about commingling of the pools. Um, Alex, when we say that we're sending our signal for uh, to France uh, so France can bet on it, um, are we talking about OTBs or we, where they can wager on over there? I mean, do they I, – I, you know, like I say, it's kind of new to a lot of different people. So is it from OTBs they're betting over there? Is it from racetracks? Is it from internet ADW sites over there? Where actually is the money yeah. coming from in France? Well, it's all of that. You know, they have a huge, huge um, – I guess you would say OTB, but it, you know, it's different. The cultures are different, you know, kind of like Wendy was saying, uh, you just had Wendy on about her trip to the elite love. Um, I was over there too, actually. Um, it was great seeing her, you know, do her thing over there. Um, and it really is a great experience. You guys should get over there. Uh, hopefully uh, maybe next year or soon thereafter for that. And also the Prix de Marique, uh, the big race in France in January. Those are great, great international trotting events with huge, huge crowds. And, you know, they do things a little different, you know, in each of these countries. And so in France, they have, I think the number is over 12,000 betting shops, you know, and that number is, you know, pretty mind-boggling wow. if, you, if you, you know, were to see on a map how big France is. Um, and so 
But when I say betting shops, I mean, it's not like what you would picture maybe in America, like this giant, you know, 30,000 square foot OTB or something, you know, they're just tiny, um, you know, tiny uh, uh, storefronts or, or, you know, just little, little parts of a, another store. It's the same thing in Sweden. Like they sell those V75 tickets at all of the convenience stores, you know, the same way in America, they might sell lottery tickets at a 7-Eleven, you know? So they have, um, they've basically uh, taken racing and incorporated it into all these um, different aspects uh, of society. You know, it's not just an OTB, you know, and so you could find it almost everywhere, you know, and obviously it, it helps to, to uh, create a following and it helps to generate uh, handle and interest in their game. So at all of these betting shops uh, on the days where Yonkers is sent, you could bet on it. And also, of course, at the racetracks and at their, at their online uh, betting platforms, you know, the same way, uh, you would do so here in America. Alex, let's get the crystal ball out five, 10, 15 years down the road. Is this something uh, that you see being the norm in harness racing tracks uh, nationwide? Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it's hard to, it's hard to predict what, what would happen for the whole industry. You know, I'm kind of just looking at it one step at a time. I mean, right now I'm working uh, with the SOA of New York and, uh, we are, are trying to work together with Yonkers um, to promote Yonkers races overseas. And so you, you mentioned uh, you guys are going to be coming out to the international trot uh, on October 15th at Yonkers. And uh, that was a great, a really great race last year. You know, they brought that back for the first time in 20 years. They were able to attract a lot of uh, top international horses. And, you know, I could see that race, you know, growing uh, in stature the way it was, you know, because it was on hiatus for about 20 years. But back in the 70s and 80s, that was a really, really popular event, huge event. Um, you know, everybody worldwide looked to that, you know. And so you fast forward to today, maybe you have a, a global event like that that not only everybody's looking to and want to compete in, but now they could all watch it at the same time, you know, because of the Internet and because of the technology, and they could all bet on it at the same time into the same pool, you know. So you could have the potential for all of these different countries, um, you know, not just, not just France, but, you know, and not just Sweden, you know, maybe these down under country, Australia, New Zealand, all these countries wagering into one giant, you know, pool on harness racing uh, for, for a huge global event, you know, and, and I think Yonkers is in position to, to maybe uh, to be able to do that in the coming years. All right. Well, Alex, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. What's uh, what's going on in 2016? What's up for uh, the rest of the year at uh, Yonkers? Um, well, like I said, I mean, the, the big thing is um, the international trot on October 15th. Um, you know, I think uh, last year um, we saw the great French trotter, Tomoko, come over. Uh, he, he put in a huge, huge effort to run second. Um, if you're fans, so uh, tuned into the, to the Elite Lop uh, over the weekend, um, he won his elimination. He was really good, and he didn't quite have enough in the final. Um, it would be great if a horse like Nuncio were willing to come over for that race. Um, not sure he is. He might have loftier uh, European goals uh, for this year. Um, but uh, a horse like Resolve uh, certainly would be um, uh, a horse to consider for that. We're looking at uh, uh, there's a top horse in Australia called uh, Keystone Dell, and um, you know, there's a possibility that um, he might uh, be interested in, in coming over. And, uh, of course, there'll be some top American horses. You know, if Be a Magician uh, returns uh, to, you know, gets healthy and, and uh, is back in top form. And, 
even you had earlier uh, um, Obrigado that you mentioned earlier. Um, you know, he's a top uh, top American trotter, and uh, you know, so we'll see we'll see who the top American horses are, and there'll be some top uh, foreign horses as well. It should be a great race. Now, Alex, before we let you go, you mentioned you were over at uh, Sweden for the Elite Lop. What was uh, your take on all the events over there this past weekend? Oh, it's great. You know, it's so much fun. I mean, anybody that's a racing fan should really go over, like I said, either either try to get over either, either to the Prix de Marique in, in Paris in January or the Elite Lop uh, in Sweden in May. Um, you know, you probably get better weather, better weather in May in Sweden, but uh, it's just so much fun. There's so many, so many people. It's basically like, like Wendy had said, it's kind of like going to a football game in America. I mean, they just have huge crowds, people cheering, clapping, like rooting. I mean, it's, um, you know, I mean, there's more people at, at, at those races than, you know, I've ever seen at a, at a harness race, you know, in America, that's for sure. And, um, you know, it, it, it rivals almost any, any race you could, you know, you, you could go to. I mean, I really, it, it's it's just a great event. They put on a great show, and and you see things. You know, they do things a little differently. You know, and you get some different perspectives on, you know, on things that maybe, um, you know, that they got some good ideas. You know, that could work over here. Alex, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Best of luck in 2016, and we'll certainly keep in touch. Okay, great. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, that was Alex Dedoyan, the executive director of the Standard Bread Owners Association of New York. Mike, lots of good information there from Alex. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the commingling of pools, it's, you know, it, it, it can only help us, Mike. You know, the big thing about, you know, the commingling of pools is that, I mean, it gives us so much more money. It gives us a lot more value. And uh, Mike gives my show bets a lot more value, too. <laughs> you know, that's one of the thing, you know, being being a racing fan – um, it's easy just to say, well, let's just do it. But I don't think the racing fan realizes how much goes into it. One of the big things that you know I never really thought of, Mike, is the time difference. The time difference by itself has got to be a huge factor as far as to when you can put these cards on you know, for, to where they can wager on them. And just structurally, I mean, with the tote companies – and, you know, the different currencies and all this kind of stuff, it is really a very, very difficult thing to put together. And hats off uh, certainly to Alex Sedoin and the guys at uh, Yonkers and the uh, Standard Bread Owners Association of New York. It's uh, certainly a great thing. And I really hope, Mike, I asked him to get out his crystal ball, uh, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the road. I hope this could turn into the norm. I hope Yonkers could be the trailblazers and this turns into the, uh, into the norm for racetracks across the country. Because like you say, you have the whole country betting, or the whole world, rather, betting into these pools. And we'll really have some nice pools and good value for gamblers. And that's what the sport really needs. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And, Mike, you know, the, it's funny you mentioned the time difference because we, like, we show our races in Australia. And it's 8 o'clock in the morning when we race over there eight o'clock in the morning it's almost like turning on twin spires and seeing south africa over here you know what i'm saying and so uh it's definitely um it's definitely well yeah i mean when i was in california i thought i was in a different country you know we were three hours behind the east coast (laughs) we've got more to come on this edition of post time with mike and mike stanley coper will be joining his handicapper extraordinaire you've got post time with mike and mike presented by bet america embroidery unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery screen printing and promotional products Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. 
For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jim Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Every dream has a start. And this one is ours. To trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations. Racehorse Adoption Program. We're back on this time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends at Bet America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter, and right now we're joined by handicapper extraordinaire, a guy I got the pleasure to meet in uh, Illinois up in the uh, booth at Hawthorne Racecourse, Stanley Coper. Stanley, it's a small world, my friend. Yeah, it sure is. I'm glad to meet you guys, and this is uh, my last five seconds of fame. It's almost all over. <laughs> well, like no, you're going to... Now you're going to get some time here, my friend, because uh, you're a, we understand you're a pretty darn good handicapper. Now, how many tournaments have you won? I don't know, uh, a few, about three uh, uh, thoroughbreds and about eight or ten, but small ones, nothing big. This was the biggest, and I was proudest about this one. Well, certainly no question about it. Yeah, you guys uh, are doing a great job. I'm glad to well, talk thanks. to you. 
Well, yes. thank you, Stanley. Certainly appreciate that. Now, listen, Stanley, let's talk about some handicapping a little bit. Now, first of all, you mentioned that you won some thoroughbred contests and you won some harness contests. Um, when you go to handicapping a race, what would you say the biggest difference is between handicapping a thoroughbred race and handicapping a harness race? Well, I think harness are way more consistent. If it wasn't for breakers, it'd be fantastic. That's what ruins the the handicapping and the harness racing. But there's a lot less than there used to be. Yeah, and and obviously I think post positions play a big factor as well. Do you look at post positions a whole lot in thoroughbreds or or not really? In thoroughbreds, I really can't tell you much about it because I'm a terrible handicapper. Just... But harness, I'm much better. It depends on the track. Most of the half miles, you have to watch post position. The metal ends, it's not that big a difference. Mohawk, it's a little more of a difference. You know, you look at the stats and you can see where they went from. But metal ends is probably the least, uh, you know, biased on the post positions. Obviously, I'm not very eloquent, but I'll do my best. Now, now, listen, Stanley, when you look at a harness race, is there one thing, and when you're looking down the roster of horses in the program, is there one thing, Stanley, that you look for first, or do you just kind of uh, assess it and take it all in as it comes along? I have like 20 to 30 variables every race. What everybody looks at, you know, wind velocity, coefficient of friction, humidity, dew point, depth of the track cover, <laughs> numerology, Scientology, you know, and psychic ability. Uh, I try to use comprehensive handicap. I have a little computer program that takes all the, you know, all the angles. That's you got to look at all of them. Of course, some are more important, but it depends on the conditions of the race and you know how it's go- going on. You know, uh, I'm not that clear on that. I meant uh, better horses are so much closer together. I I use a whole bunch of really comprehensive ideas, what everybody does, but I think I really studied a lot longer. Can I give you a little, uh, how I, this, what I usually do during the day? Absolutely. I go to this restaurant I know. It's a, like a middle-class restaurant, and I bring my, this mannequin with me, uh, well, and I sit her down. I call her Handy Mandy, and that way nobody bothers me. I get the two-for-one coupons for a meal, and then by the time I eat the two, all the coupons, I can handicap. She doesn't talk back. I have a lot of time there. The restaurant, okay, you know, they don't bother me. Although the first time they threw me out, you know, they didn't like it. But now I put clothes on the mannequin, and it's been okay. Uh, it's a lot better. <laughs> and that's what I usually spend a few hours doing. And I eat two meals, and that's all I eat all day. And I do it almost every day. But when I went to Meadowlands, I noticed I was the only one in the parking lot that stayed all night and handicapped. I don't know where all the handicappers were, but I really was the only one. I asked security if it'd be okay, and they said okay, even though it probably was against policy. But I do <laughs> spend a lot of time on it, seriously. Yeah, uh, and and I and, and I, I have think a computer book. I'm sorry. Right. 
No, no, that no, that's okay uh, because I think that's a lot of things. You know, you see a lot of handicappers and and really a lot of people that go to the racetrack. And uh, and actually, you could you know you could throw poker in that. You could throw any form of gambling, and it just seems like the more work that you put in, the more that you'll uh, get out of it. And and I think that could be the fatal flaw to a lot of handicappers is is quite simply the grunt work. Right. It's it's really hard. I'm retired, so I have a lot of time. But I don't even have enough time to do a few tracks, you know. Uh, it is difficult. But I, I made a few uh, computer programs that help a lot using, uh, you know, time factors of all the uh, parts of the race. And uh, also I make sure that I, I all the angles, I have a program that will tell me all the angles. I highlight them. So I don't miss any because I remember I'd say, oh, this is a high, higher class. I didn't catch that or I missed some speed rating or some. But I do basically what everybody else does. And it's been a little better lately, you know, but I've had my days, too. That particular day at Meadowlands, I had the all nine, first nine races, all picked first. However, I was with a guy. He said, this guy had this horse for five years. And he didn't get, improve him, and now he had somebody else. And he says, "How how can you bet him?" And I, of course, I listened to him. That was the only big mistake I made. And uh, I didn't bet him, and he ran off with a new driver. You generally a new guy, you know. They do a lot of work on a horse, and generally a change itself is good. I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, uh, but this is what I do. No, you're fine. We're we're uh, we're we're taking notes. Listen, Stan, a question for you: um, Is there a difference when you're uh, in a contest as opposed to when you just go to the racetrack and uh, just trying to win money, just betting regular like like everybody else does? Do you have a little bit? Do you is there anything different that you do for these handicapping contests than you would just on a regular day out at the racetrack? Oh, I wish I could do on a regular day at the racetrack what I do in handicap accounts. I look for the price horses more. When I bet money, it's hard for me to bet that horse that's 30 or 41. But in contests, it's very easy because it's not actual money. So you, sometimes it is actual money, but you can do it because you have to try to win. When there's more people, you have to catch the long shots. Uh that's that's what it. Although that Meadowlands contest, there weren't any. Eighteen dollars, I think, was the highest. There might have been one higher, and uh, the highest amount that someone had on that one was eighty dollars, where they could have had a hundred, and it wasn't enough for them to come close to me. But it's one of those days that you do everything right. They come once in a while, not that often. Stan, before I, we let you go, is there any is there any um, young handicapper uh, coming up in the in the business that's interested in handicapping horses? If you had to give them one piece of advice, what would it be? I'd say watch the race replays. I think that's probably the most important, and then you have to watch all the angles. You know, you make yourself a list of all the things, driver, changer, trainer, there, you know, everybody knows what they are. There's so many of them that you have to be able to figure out which are more important. At certain times, certain ones are more important, I think. And uh, like certain drivers, some are much better than others. you got to get the guy that's laying back that knows enough about wind resistance. you got to get the aggressive guy that's going to get a good position. you got to get the smart guy that's going to make the right move. 
you just have to figure those things and and the driver changes are so important you know there's a thousand things things that you have to change every right. time and then when you when you try to put them all in one, uh, you know I think that's the thing. And there's a lot of different variables to trying to pick winners at the racetrack. But I'll tell you, Stan, one thing is that if you can figure it out, uh, there is certainly money to be made. I mean, you see at every racetrack, uh, thoroughbred and harness across the country, big payoffs. There is money out there certainly to be won. Absolutely, absolutely. You just have to work at it and get better all the time. I've been playing this a long time and I'm always learning something new. Well, listen, well, buddy, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Now, what's ahead here in uh, 2016? You in the, uh, you're going to get in some Bet America contests coming up? Yeah, I'm in one now. Not winning today, but I won one last night, $400. It was nice. I dream, uh, you know, I have the program underneath my pillow every night. If I get up to go to Washington, I read it while I'm doing it. And every chance I have, I try and improve my handicapping. All right. Well, Stan, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program here, my friend. Good luck, buddy. So my uh, 15 seconds is over, but thank you for being part of it. (laughs) All right, Stan. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Bye. All right. That was uh, Stan Coper joining us live on the program. And uh, Mike, I kind of thought he was serious when he started rattling off the the very unorthodox aspects of his uh, handicap. And I'm thinking, boy, we've been doing it all wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, <clears throat> my show bets apparently are not the way to go. That's all I'm saying. No, Stan, I'll tell you what, Stan kids around, he jokes around a lot, but he's a really good guy. He's a real good handicapper, Mike. He's won countless tournaments uh, live and through uh, Bet America. Um, and, uh, you know, one of, a real quick funny story, and then we'll get to the, uh, we'll get to a break and we'll get to the Mohawk stuff. But uh, one of where I met Stan, if you talk about how small of a world this is, I was going and we were having uh, electrical issues at Hawthorne. This was back in the winter and I was on my way to the booth. And uh, that was one of those nights where we didn't really know if we were going to race. They were working feverishly to try to correct this problem with the electrical. And uh, there was a gentleman sitting up in the press box and he had a couple of different led flashlights. And uh, I've never seen this gentleman before. And he comes up to me and he says, here, if the lights go out, it can be very tough to get down because I mean, you know, Hawthorne's a good six or seven stories high. And he says, it can be very tough getting down. Here are some of these flashlights. They work great. I've got them here. And I'll tell you, they're the, one of the best flashlights I've, I've, I've ever <laughs> seen. So, uh, so when we were thinking about, you know, trying to bring in a handicapper and we, you know, worked with uh, our great sponsor, bet America on this, uh, they give us Stan's name and the uh, Stan's number. So I call Stan and uh, he answers the phone, and I said, Stan, this is the track announcer at Harris Philadelphia, Mike Bozich. I said, you know, we'd like to have you on the show. And he says, uh, well, he says, you might remember me. And he tells me that he was the guy up there at Hawthorne that gave me the flashlight. So you talk about a small world. That's my story for the day, Mike. That's my story for the day. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it definitely is a small world. And uh, we were talking a little bit off the air about, you know, just how awesome it is. I just love to win one. This guy won four or five, thir- three or four thoroughbred ones. And then he comes back and he's won a ton of harness ones. Where, where can I get these handicapping skills at? 
Yeah, well, like I said, I think he he said it, grunt work, grunt work, grunt work, and there's money to be made out there, but you just have to be willing to, to put in the time. There are so many variables when handicapping a race. And really, Mike, and you know this from being a handicapper, you could look at a race and you could see something in one horse, and I could see something in another horse that you totally missed, and a third person can see something in another horse that we missed. And a lot of times, even if you go back, through the race results and through the programs and charts, you can figure out a horse uh, or you can kind of say, wow, okay, yeah, I see that now, but that's something that you didn't see when you were initially handicapping the race. So there are so many different variables of handicapping a, a harness or a thoroughbred race. And that's what we're going to try to do. We've got a big card coming up at Mohawk, Freaky Feet Pete's in action, and we're going to take a look at a couple of those races, and we're going to wrap things up after this timeout. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Hello, this is Kayla Straw, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. We just talked to Stanley Coper about some handicapping uh, things that he does to handicap the races. And now we're going to learn, you're going to learn from two not so experts in <laughs> me and Mike Bozich. No, I'm kidding. You're going to, might learn about a show better too. And you might learn that uh, Mike Bozich misses a couple of things in horse. I think that's what you said before the break. You said you miss things in horses, right? Well, I think everybody does. I mean, it's very it's very tough to look at a program and to go through all these horses with a fine tooth comb. Um, and you know, there's so many variables, Mike. There's a lot of different variables. You've got drivers, you've got trainers, you've got time. He was even talking about wind resistance and and bias and track configurations and going from one track to another and overall ability. There's just so many variables, Mike, that it's. It's uh, it can be very very tough, but rewarding at the same time. Definitely. Well, we've got just a couple of minutes left on the show. Uh, we're in overtime, obviously. We Mike, we've been stretching this overtime thing out a lot here lately. So we appreciate everybody who uh, who's been sticking it out with us. We're going to take a look at the Mohawk program. Just a couple of graduate series races. Uh, purse ninety eight thousand two hundred fifty dollars, and we're going to kick it off with race five. It's a field of eleven trotters, and Mike, <clears throat> excuse me, this is a fantastic field of trotters you've got Kanipa Hanover 
the big looks like one of the favorites actually drew the outside in Krejana, who I've never heard of before, but won a leg of the graduate at the Meadowlands last week. Wings of Royalty gets post-11 with driver Jody Jameson. This could be an interesting race, uh, especially with some new faces and some horses that I haven't really seen before uh, coming down out of like Mohawk and uh, Woodbine. And, you know, maybe who knows, maybe they'll light up a uh, light up the tote board a little. Yeah, we and then with those uh, come a lot of different drivers. I mean, you've got Jody Jameson driving 11 Wings of Royalty. Jody's never driven this horse before. James McDonald is driving 10 Krizana, never driven this horse before. Uh, Matt Kikaley is driving number eight, uh, Crazy Wow. And Tim Tietrich's been the regular driver on that horse, a post-state with a trailer. Boy, that's kind of going to be tough to uh, navigate in here. But I'm going to tell you, I honestly, I think Kanipa Hanover, uh, this horse really showed a lot of trot last time towards the end of that mile, 26-1. and one, Just missed uh, Krizana last time, who was able to sit the pocket and uh, come up the inside to uh, outfight Kanipa Hanover down the stretch. I really think the way uh, this race sets up, there's a little bit of – actually quite a bit of speed in this race. And I think if P. Tactor can work out a good trip with Kanipa Hanover, a good cover trip, I think six Kanipa Hanover's got a big shot here. No, I completely agree with you. Kanipa Hanover is – one of the better horses in the field for trader Jimmy Tactor uh, had sort of a slow season, uh, broke uh, two starts back at Pocono where, um, where he finished seventh, actually was placed sixth off the last quarter in 33 and two. But this trotter has a big ability to close home strongly. And that, that's a huge, huge thing. Uh, you go back to the Kentucky futurity and the uh, condition trot at Mohawk on September 12th. This horse has a breaking issue. That's my only concern about Kanipa Hanover at maybe a little bit of a short price. What a workout draws very well towards the inside. Mike uh, had post two against the six horse field at the Meadowlands and didn't get over the track all that well. Uh, closed home in 27 and two off a 152 and two mile and is moving up to Mohawk tonight. Crescent fashion drew the rail. And this is a horse that I was kind of surprised, uh, kind of surprised about uh, in the graduate series last week, Mike, what do you think of Crescent fashion? Well, Crescent Fashion had that uh, tough first over trip, lost to the very hot Maestro Blue Chip, who was the fifth place, uh, fourth place finisher rather in the Maxi Lee from Post Saint. But uh, you've got a lot of horses in this race, Mike, that are making their second, third, and fourth starts back. So you have to think that the form cycle is going to start to improve for a lot of these horses. But you do have to like the win at Yonkers uh, in that nine one as a six, winning easily in that nine and a quarter race by four and a quarter lengths. Coming up first over, it's obviously going to uh, matter with the trip, and you get a little bit of a variable here. Mike, because you get Scott Zeron, who was this horse's regular driver uh, in the end of his three-year-old season, back after uh, trainer Oka Swanstad uh, goes with four honor and serve here. Yeah, definitely. And another horse that we, I guess we should have asked Jeffrey Bevan about earlier was Chris, how do you say this horse's name? I would say Chris Krishana? I would say, I would uh, say Well, it is a crazed horse, so it probably Krishana. Well, wait a minute. Now hold on. Let's talk this through, Mike. Well, let's let's (laughs) let's talk this through, Mike. We have this is how we do it. This is going to be a little bit of a backdoor look of how announcers try to do this. You've got crazed and a Keystone Shana mare, so crazed Shana. Perfect. Crazed Shana. Yeah, perfect. Come on now. Call call Jeff. Give Jeff a call. Jeff, if you're listening, call. Yeah, right. If you're Jeff, if you're still listening, call back and let us know how to say this horse's name. No, I'm. You know what? While we're talking about the next race, I gotta, I'm going to look it up because now I'm interested to find out how exactly they, you know, maybe Google would pronounce this name. And uh, but well, Mike, no, wait, I, wait. I, I, 
Go I'm ahead. thinking, Mike. Honestly, I'm thinking it's the it's a mix between Crazed and Keystone Shauna. That's what I'm thinking. Chris, Shauna. That's what I'm gonna go with. Craig Shauna. There you go. Well, see, look at that. We, you know, with some deductive reasoning. I know that's a big word for me for tonight. Uh, with some deductive reasoning, uh, we can figure this stuff out. Well, Mike, uh, I got to tell you, Wings of Royalty. Uh, w- would you take five to one on Wings of Royalty after that performance at the Meadowlands last week? Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, you're talking about speed from the second tier. I don't really know what kind of trip. Uh, first time Jody Jamison's usually a pretty good angle, um, but uh, I don't know. I'm just not crazy with a, a trotter starting from the second tier anyway. And uh, obviously this horse is a little bit versatile. This horse did show that, um, you know, he can come from behind uh, like he did two starts back. But, uh, of course, that was in the win against Pinkman in possessed fashion. But I don't know. I, I'm just – I always shy away from trotter starting from the second tier. All right, Mike. Well, let's talk about the ninth race. It's the Graduate Series Pacers, purse $98,250. And, Mike, a new driver aboard Freaky Feet Pete and driver Scott Zeron as Trace Tietrich is driving in the Indiana Sire Stakes at Hoosier this weekend. You know, we asked you, Mike, because obviously you were there at Northfield Park, the Battle of Lake here, and we talked uh, – about Wiggle the Jiggle's performance there, and it was a, it was a certainly great, just as good as his performance in the Dorothy Mullen. But what we really didn't touch on was the performance of Freaky Feet Pete. The source was parked a mile, was first over pretty much the entire way. Uh, of course, did give a little bit of ground, although came home in 27 and 4, so I don't want to say he was completely tired. But uh, with the form that Wiggle the Jiggle is in right now, especially the last two starts, what was your take on Freaky Feet Pete's uh, performance in the battle? You know, Freaky Feet Pete grinded first up, and it was just, it was really interesting to see Freaky Feet Pete, you know, race from the outside. Uh, you know, it's it, it's hard to really say because he got caught wide, and he was wide most of the mile, and then kind of faded turning for home, uh, a little bit missing by about five and three-quarter lengths to the eventual winner, Wiggle It, Jiggle It. But Freaky Feet Pete, you know what? Don't take anything away from him. I think he's still got something left. Uh, Mike, he is the Breeders' Crown Champion from last year. Yeah, he certainly is. And let's be frank, this isn't the strongest of fields here. I think Freaky Feet Pete jogs in this race. It's going to be interesting to see you know, who could finish second. And Obviously, that's, I think, the angle you're going to have to take you know, to try to make some money here. Now, Rock and Roll World was parked to that 27 and one quarter at the Meadowlands, tired a little bit, and that was the race that Artistic Major upset Rock and Ron. That was back on the 21st of May. I think that horse is a possibility. What I like to do in these races, Mike, if you're looking, if you have a dominant horse and you're looking for a second-place horse to spruce up an exact price, I like to go with horses that have home field advantage. Shades of Bay, I don't know if he's as quite as good as these, but he's certainly used to the surface and uh, rocking in heaven uh, has been racing up there. The last four starts just, uh, just lost to boom, boom, Bally keel, uh, who has uh, been at upper condition level open pacer uh, up there at, uh, at Mohawk and Woodbine uh, for the last little while. So I think rocking in heaven's got a big shot. And uh, I think one shades of Bay, those would be the two horses I would put underneath for some kind of price. You know, another horse that I'm uh, that I would look at too, Mike, is my hero Ron. Now, granted, he draws the outside and hasn't been racing all the best, but he, look who he's been facing. I mean, he's been facing the likes of Rock and Ron and Wiggle It, Jiggle It. He was in the Graduate Series, didn't do too much from Post Nine last week, but they went one forty or he went one forty nine and four. The race went one forty eight and one. I, I really doubt that this race is going to go that fast tonight. So, if you're looking for a little bit of a price, or in my words, a show bet. You know, who knows? Maybe my hero Ron could uh, could potentially show up. 
And there is a couple of other uh, races, uh, Mike, if uh, we could just touch on them just for a moment before we wrap things up here. Uh, the fourth race is a preferred. We just talked about Boom Boom Ballykeel, who come off the victory against Rockin' in Heaven. He's in the fourth, along with State Treasure, last year's Canadian Horse of the Year. A sixth-place finish in the battle, uh, rather, in the uh, Molson Pace. Even of pleasure, the Molson Pace winner is in at 12-to-1 morning line, Mike, in that particular race uh, from post-8. You've got Shambhala, who's uh, just been outstanding, 21 of uh, 46 off that impressive 48-1. and He's uh, the morning line favorite in there. So that fourth race, Mike, is a very, very good race. Yeah, it's a definitely a competitive field. And 12-to-1 on even and a pleasure. Mike, I think that's a... Uh... Uh, you know, I got that. That's just it's. If I can get twelve to one, I, sign me up. That's all I gotta say because twelve to one is a uh, is, is a very big price on even a pleasure. I think uh, State Treasurer is gonna get a better trip here. Of course, you have Nickelbag who defeated Wigglet Jigglet and State Treasurer two starts that's back. Right. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, it was two starts back. And so Nickelbag is uh, poised to put in a good performance. But Mike, I wish we would have recorded the or would have had some sort of segment from the Molson pace last week, because for those of you who missed it, we have, uh, listen, Shannon Sugar Doyle is my, one of my best friends. And at the end of the mile, after evening of pleasure shocked everybody at uh, 36 to one, he said that just happened. And it was, I talked to him a couple days after he go, he told me he had been looking for a place to use it. And Mike, he found a place. All right. You know, I wanted to use that at the end of the Dorothy Mullen, but I figured I better not because Sugar would be <laughs> mad at me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a great call by uh, Sugar Doyle. Hats off to him. I- I'll tell you, that was a great race and a, a great call. And um, one more horse, Mike, before we wrap it up, I was looking at the program uh, and kind of scanning the card at, at Mohawk. And one ra- horse that I want to bring up, if you're looking for a price, maybe to put in your multiple wager gimmicks with some of these good stakes races, race six, keep an eye on number nine, Investment Blue Chip. This is a horse that finished third in the Breeders' Crown uh, back last year against Boston Red Rocks and Big Top Hanover. Had a good double qualifier. I had a chance to watch this horse on the 28th, and that now one is a five, made a good middle move, came up short at 70 cents on the dollar. Now, that was his first start of the year. You would expect this horse to come up short. Jody Jameson's back in the bike here. I think number nine investment blue chip at eight to one morning line is huge value in the uh, Sun Beach somewhere for three-year-old paces. That's in race six on the card. So if you're looking for maybe a price in your multi-race wages, keep an eye on nine investment blue chip in race six on Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for, the, for one last thing before we wrap up, for those of you who might be in the Maryland area this week, uh, I will be at Rosecroft on Sunday night. So stop in, say hello. Uh, you know what, Mike? Maybe I'll carry some uh, post time with Mike and Mike here with me. And uh, well, maybe absolutely. we can give, uh, maybe. give a couple of things out. Why not? Sure, absolutely. Say hi to my good friend Pete Medhurst over there, and uh, maybe you could grab a couple interviews. It'll be a good time for you, I'm certain. As you know, Sunday nights at Rosecroft, uh, they've really done well with Sunday nights. They switched their program and their schedule from Sunday nights to Tuesday nights. They're in a good spot on Sunday. Uh, 440 is their post, which is right about when we're ending. Um, and right in that time frame, the harness. Uh, racing on Sunday. It's a little bit of a raw point in the schedule. So I think that Rosecroft did a great job of putting in that particular time on Sunday. I know it's helped their handle out dramatically. So uh, uh, yeah, you'll have a good time down there, Mike. And uh, say hi to my uh, good friend, Russ Adams and Pete Medhurst and uh, the judges and all them guys. There are lots of good people at Rosecroft, Mike, all great people. 
Definitely. Well, that is that is it. Uh, I say that is it, man. We where did this last hour and a half go, Mike? It's uh, it seems like this show gets a little bit longer each week, but we're so glad and we're so thankful that each and every one of you uh, stay tuned with us and uh, check out the whole show. Don't forget, you can check us out on the in the barn. It's the Bet America Radio Network. Immediately following this program, in about maybe 20 minutes or so, check us out in the barn. In the Better Medi- uh, excuse me, in the Bet America Radio Network. For Mike Bozich, I'm Mike Carter. This has been Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. We'll see you next week with the first post of seven o'clock. Good night. <laughs>